0: Hello, children, and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Olivia the
1: Oviraptor Hatches an Egg. Olivia the Oviraptor spotted a lost egg as she was running around the field. Poor baby, she thought, you need someone to take care of you. She went over and sat by the egg, wrapping her tail around it to keep it warm. She stayed there all afternoon and would not leave it. Annie the Archaeopteryx missed her in class at the end of school and went to find her. Time to go home, Olivia. My egg needs to be kept warm, explained Olivia. Mum keeps the eggs warm until they hatch. This is my egg and I'm taking care of it. Olivia refused to leave her egg. So Annie had to fly to her house to tell her mum why she was not coming home. Olga the oviraptor was very proud of her daughter. She ran the dinosaur hatchery where all the abandoned eggs were looked after until the baby dinosaurs emerged. Olga thanked Annie for bringing her the news and told her not to worry. Olivia was doing the right thing. My Olivia has learned how to look after eggs from me. This is her first egg and we must let her look after it. You'll see, she'll make a wonderful hatcher. Olga busied herself getting supplies ready for Olivia. She would need food and a blanket to keep her warm at night, and Olivia's brothers and sisters offered to take turns to stay with her. During the day, her friends came to sit and chat. Tracy the Triceratops explained her theories on triangles, and Mike the Megalosaurus wanted to run some ideas by her on the Dino Games. Do you think we should have an egg race? No, that is a very bad idea, said Olivia. I think you should have a a tie-your-legs-together-with-vines-and-having-a-fall-over-race instead. Mike laughed. I have a better idea. Tie-your-leg to your best friend's leg. It can be a tied-together-leg race. Tyrone, what do you think? We would look like we had three legs between us, said Tyrone. A three-legged, Mike was about to say race, when he was interrupted by a crack. Oh my goodness, exclaimed Olivia. Crack! Crack! The egg is hatching. Annie the Archaeopteryx flew down. Break time is over. Then she saw a little beak emerging from the egg. Now who do we have here, she crooned. Aren't you beautiful? You look just like Adam and Amy did when they were newly hatched.
0: Did you guess whose lost egg it was? Yes, it belongs to Annie the Archaeopteryx. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we always meet Carlos and his friends. So here is another meow story written by Graham Emmett. And narrated by Uncle Roger. Do enjoy and sleep well.
2: I I upon me. I did, I a as as he
3: could be. The Muscat ears become a circus act by Graham Emmett. Carlos walked out into the garden and down the street. Attached to one of the street lights was a poster advertising a fair and circus in Brockwell Park. He wandered down to see what was going on. There was much activity, fairground rides were being unloaded from old colourfully painted lorries, merry-go-rounds, dodgem cars, one lorry turned into a haunted house and ghost train ride. The centrepiece was a ferris wheel. Smaller rides were being set up for young children candy floss and toffee apple stalls and a penny arcade, coconut shies, quoits and a shooting range. Carlos was careful not to get in the way of people putting all this up. Looking up in the distance he could see a massive red and yellow striped tent slowly rising from the ground up two very tall poles. People were all round tugging on large ropes Eventually the tent reached the top, the ropes were fixed to stakes in the ground and the sides were put on. Oh, This would be a fun outing for the gang. He'd asked them on the Zoom meeting that Ezra, Mr Matuba's nephew, had set up for him before Ezra went to university. Mr Matuba clicked on the Zoom meeting and waited for Mrs Ponsonby, Mrs Phipps, And Horace's owner to appear. One by one they did. After ten minutes or so it was Carlos's turn. The faces of Teddy, Larry, Priscilla and Horace came up on the screen. Carlos started. Yesterday I took a walk down to Brockwell Park. It's been taken over by a fair and a circus. How about we all pay a visit? Could be fun, it's on for a week. Horace, do you think you could slip away for a couple of days and come up? Oh, I don't see why not. They're combining down here at the moment. They won't miss me, Horace replied. Good. We'll go when you arrive. Everyone agree? Carlos asked. They did. Even Priscilla and Larry. Horace arrived at Carlos's a couple of days later as arranged. The others were there waiting eager to get going. It was early evening and not too many people about. All the stalls had coloured flashing lights illuminating them and loud music in the background. Horace and Larry had found a stall with goldfish in bowls. People were trying to throw small wooden hoops over them. Larry thought he'd found a takeaway. He was about to scoop one out when a hoop landed over his head. The stallholder apologised, saying the cat was not one of the prizes but they could have a goldfish instead, picking Larry up and shooing him away. Horace couldn't stop laughing. They caught up with Carlos. Teddy's nose had found a candy floss stall and he was watching the machine making it. Larry crept up behind him and nipped his tail Teddy jumped, nearly falling in. Even Carlos and Priscilla saw the funny side of it. Teddy's face was covered in a pink cobweb that he was pulling off and eating. Carlos was beginning to wonder if this was such a good idea, suggesting they move on to the circus big top, slipping under one of the canvas sides. The acts were rehearsing. Jugglers, clowns, magicians, balancing act, tightrope walking and trapeze act swinging from the top. They sat at the ringside watching. The magician noticed them, came over and made a fuss of them. Then had an idea. How about a cat out of a hat instead of a rabbit? Priscilla looked the cutest, but where have they come from? A local helping in the ring recognised Priscilla as one of his neighbour's cats, and called Mrs Ponsonby. Er, yes, Priscilla could be part of the act if she and her friends could have complimentary tickets for the show. It was agreed. Meanwhile, Larry had gone missing again. Where was he this time? The other acts in the ring started looking up with worried expressions on their faces, and the clowns were running in with a big white sheet. Carlos and the others looked up. Larry was walking stealthily across the high wire to where one of the magician's doves had landed. Larry wasn't bothered, only when the dove flew off he continued to the other side and came down and then wondered what all the fuss was about. All the time the ringmaster had been watching. Here was another act he could include With local interest, Mrs Phipps got a phone call requesting Larry's services. She agreed. The others got parts with the clown acts. Everyone had a good time, as did their owners with the free show. Not only were they in the local paper, they made the national press as well.
2: It won't wet me alone. I thought I tore a putty-tap a-tweepin' up me. I did, I tore a putty-tap as plain as he could
0: be. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond Narrated by me, Sue Rodwell Smith. Let's see what Jaffrey is up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. How much is that
3: doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much
0: is that doggy in the window? I do hope that. Jaffa, Leo, and Louis meets little big one called Benjamin. I must take it. Benjamin was born on the 10th of April 2008 and was our second Irish wolfhound. We were all very excited as we had heard that there was going to be another doggy, a puppy Irish wolfhound, who would be joining our gang. He would be called Little Big One because he was our second Irish wolfhound to Leah. It was always lovely getting another family member. Oh yeah, the biscuits and treats would come out and we oldies are much quicker at getting them than the puppies or so we thought. What a fabulous puppy he was and very handsome. He had such a lovely face but looked so scrawny and gangly all legs and feet and of course that long tail. By looking at him you would never have imagined that he was going to grow into such a large dog. Something must be wrong somewhere as this puppy is bigger than me in all ways. Feet, legs, tail, body and head. Maybe he has been given different food to me. Even I am older, I will never grow to that height. This gangly puppy was to be called Benjamin. Big name to match him. He was all legs when he appeared in the garden and was always running around everywhere. That's it. The ritual is about to start again as we now have Benjamin who is a young puppy. So each day after our walk, we would have our feet dipped in disinfectant. As you know, I hate my feet being touched at the best of times, let alone being dipped in smelly water. But that's what we had to do to safeguard the new puppies that would join us over the years. Leo was so gentle with him and they would sleep together. Benjamin would curl up in Leo's legs until he got bigger. Then they would sleep next to one another. This put us little ones out slightly as we slept with Leo. But in the end, we had two large hounds to choose from. It was lovely in the winter as I made sure I got the best spot. I think at times Benjamin forgot how big he was and thought he was one of us. He would try to get in and out of places that were far too small for him. This led to complete chaos as he would at times try to get into our beds too. One summer, mum and dad took me Louis and benjamin to scotland for our summer holiday me and Louis were comfy in our beds in the car benjamin was tucked up in the corner he never murmured for the whole journey leo had gone to nan and grandas for his holiday too to allow him to have some quiet time without us younger dogs being around we stayed in a house that had green fields and woods all around it funny thing though i heard mum say when we arrived that there was no fence around the garden See, I think to myself I will be off to investigate what is around and about none of us ever did it was as if there was an invisible fence and we never ventured past it it was quite amazing I was amazed at myself but I did on the odd occasion have a look behind the hedge one particular day I could see something moving and have to decide whether to chase it or watch it oh my word it's a red squirrel Never before had I seen a red squirrel, so I watched it eating the nuts and seeds. I have grey squirrels in my garden at home. One evening in the house, I could hear paper being ripped to pieces. I thought it must be for a fire, but then remembered, we don't have a fire. Then I thought it must be Louis, but no, it was Benjamin. He had completely ripped the newspaper into shreds and you could not see the floor. In fact... You could see anywhere for shreds of paper. He looked at me as if to say, Well, I did it. Strangest thing of all, he never did anything like that again. I'm feeling a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you've enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children.
3: The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in
0: the window? I do hope that dog is for sale. Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello, children, and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. This evening's story is all about Dorothea, was written by John Mountford, and is narrated by Julie Stark and me, Sue Rodwell Smith. Dorothea has magic powers when she wears a particular pair of jeans. What do you think she's up to this evening? Let's see, shall we? Enjoy. Dorothy and the Big Wheel Dorothy is just the same as every other little girl. Well, almost. You see, she's just the same as you or your sister until she changes into her... Wait, here she is now. She can tell you herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothea. Dorothea, tell the children about your genes.
2: Do you think they'll really want to know? Oh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, it's like this. When I'm on my way to school, nothing fun happens at all. The teacher talks nonstop all day, and then it's time to leave. Hooray! But when I get back home again... I change into my jeans and then... Jeans, jeans are my lovely jeans. Now I can chatter with machines. Can you really, Dorothea? Don't you believe me? I'm wearing my jeans now.
0: So come for a walk with me and see. Today, Dorothea is at the fair. The fair has lots of bright lights and music and the children screaming and eating candy floss. Dorothea is waiting for her turn on the big wheel. Hello, Big Wheel. How are you? Hello, Dorothea. I'm bored. I turn round and round and round and round very slowly all day long. The Big Wheel can talk to Dorothea and because she is wearing her jeans, Dorothea can understand what it says.
2: Poor Big Wheel. I think what you do is fun. I love it when my seat stops right at the top. I can see all my friends, the tractors at work in the fields.
0: I hate turning round. I would like a rest, but I never get one. Never get one what? Arrest.
2: Arrest? Oh, you can't do that. You need a policeman to make an arrest.
0: Poor Big Wheel. Dorothy is teasing him. She just can't help teasing machines. There's a policeman. Behind you. Ah! Dorothea squeals and looks round behind her.
2: There's no policeman behind me. Ha ha! Tricked you, Dorothea.
0: Ha ha! The big wheel has tricked Dorothea and now he is laughing.
2: You did trick me, big wheel. You did. Ha ha ha! And you're laughing now so you can't be sad anymore. I can't stop laughing, ha ha ha! Yes, alright Big Wheel, you're happy now, but you must stop laughing or you'll get the hiccups.
0: Egg cups? ha <laughs> ha! I haven't got any egg cups. Poor Dorothea, it's her turn to be teased now. The Big Wheel is enjoying himself.
2: Egg cups?
0: Why would you want
2: egg cups? To put eggs in! Ha ha ha!
0: Or chickens! No, Dorothea, not chickens. They wouldn't fit in the egg cups. Ha, ha, ha. They would fall out. Ha, ha,
2: ha. Silly Big Wheel. I'm going to get in one of your chairs now and come for a ride. Ha, ha,
0: ha. The Big Wheel is still laughing so much that all his chairs are shaking. Oh, Big Wheel,
2: will you stop laughing? You're shaking the chair so much I'm having trouble getting in.
0: Sorry, Dorothea, did you say trouble getting thin? <laughs> you mustn't get thin. You're just right as
2: you are. Thank you, Big Wheel. Can you take me right to the top now, please, so I can see my friends in the fields?
0: The Big Wheel turns around until Dorothy is right at the top where she can see all the countryside around. The Big Wheel is still laughing. Will you stop
2: shaking, Big Wheel? You'll tip me out. I'm sorry, Dorothea. It's just so funny. I'm glad you found teasing me so funny, Big Wheel. At least you're not sad anymore. No, Dorothea.
0: Thank you. (laughs) That's the end of this story, and the Big Wheel is still laughing. We'll come back and see what Dorothea is doing another day for another adventure. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy... The Aerial Orb Game Milo the monkey was feeling confident that today his team would win the Aerial Orb Game. As team captain, Milo had an early start, ensuring the sport kits were packed and there were enough oranges for half-time. Milo had learned from coach Gorilla Ned that oranges contain vitamin C, which boosts your energy and have a high water content so keeps you hydrated. Milo met orangutans Lulu and Otis outside his treehouse. They helped secure the oranges and sport kits onto Diva the hippo's saddle. Milo and his friends then swung through the trees to the playing field whilst Diva continued by foot. Spider monkey Flint was already there with coach Gorilla Ned and his daughter Isabella. The team waited expectantly for Diva to arrive. 20 minutes later Diva waddled out from the trees, huffing and puffing. Her face was bright red. Milo thought to himself the bags must have been too heavy. Help, puffed Diva. I need a papaya juice and a massage, pleaded Diva. Coach Ned went to help Diva. Your papaya juice awaits you, Diva, Ned said, thanking her. Diva collapsed by a small streams and dipped her toes in the cool water. Oh. The team changed into their sportswear and Milo fastened his special harness. Coach Ned checked Milo's harness then got them all doing some warm-up exercises. This was to get their hearts pumping and blood flowing into their muscles which would help prevent injuries. The opposing team arrived and began their warm-up exercises. These team players were all boys. Eyes front, everyone, and concentrate on what we are doing, please, instructed Coach Ned. Milo's curiosity got the better of him. But why are there no girls in their team? Coach Ned explained. I encourage everyone to play any game they choose. It does not matter if you are a boy or a girl. However, not all coaches think the same. The team thought about this for a while, then all agreed everyone should be able to play. The chatter of monkeys could be heard in the trees as spectators began to appear. The trumpet of elephants announced Stompy and his family's arrival. Milo's parents Flo and Jared swung into view with his sister Macy. All were excited for the game to begin. Suddenly, there were loud squawks as colourful macaws took their positions on the perches. Stompy the elephant stood in the middle of the field. Both teams ran out and faced one another as the crowd cheered. Milo stood facing the other team captain in the centre of the field. Stompy the elephant blew a blower into the sky with his trunk. Milo heard the beating wings as two macaws sweeped down, picking each captain up by their harness. Flying up towards the sky, it was a race to see which captain got the ball first. The wind blew through Milo's fur as he outstretched his arms. His fingers touched the ball, he grabbed it and the macaw lowered him to the ground. Milo had ten seconds to throw the ball to a teammate and it was not allowed to touch the floor. Milo passed the ball to orangutan Lulu who did an impressive catch and spun out of the way of an oncoming monkey. The crowd roared with delight. The ball passed between Lulu and Otis and then on to gorilla Isabel who was able to outsmart her opponent and pass the ball quickly to spider monkey Flint. Flint used his acrobatic skills and took a huge leap. He placed the ball into the hanging basket, suspended from a tree branch. The field erupted in loud cheers. Milo's team was winning. The game continued with Milo's team scoring more points and eventually the elephants sounded their trumpet. The game was over. Milo's team had won 10 points to 3. What an amazing triumph. They all returned to Magnolia Avenue to celebrate. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jewel's Julie Stevens. Do enjoy.
4: Big mistake. It was a cold, chilly morning When left glove disappeared The search party gathered A terrible outcome was feared. They rummaged every room. They ransacked every drawer. The house was in disarray with everything on the floor. No glove was to be found. No glove, what to do? They went outside, one glove, one hand, but wishing it was really two. One hand as warm as toast, one hand a block of ice. They searched the garden up and down like a gang of scurrying mice. Left Glove was nowhere to be seen, their worst fears were met. With sad eyes and heads hung low, their friend they must forget. With one Glove missing and one Glove here, the day strolled on as before. The morning's adventures were almost forgotten, when Right Glove heard the door. In came a schoolbag, all tired and pale, and a boy with three dangly arms. He couldn't explain what happened on the bus, how a glove conjured up magic charms. I only touched it, he hastened to say, whilst looking for a book in my bag, when this extra arm began to grow, with a glove waving around like a flag. Three gloves taken, three gloves worn, one mother shaken, one mother forlorn. He hugged her long, he held her tight. Three arms on my body just doesn't look right. Never again will he pack his bag in a hurried and hasty way, as magic might play with the wrong items packed and once again have it say.
0: Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.